Hello, survivalists. Welcome to the Crux. I'm your host, as ever, Tessa King, and joined, as ever, by my sister, Casey McIntosh, with my lounge singer voice today. Sorry, guys. I've got a little bit of a head cold, if you will. That's a cover-up. She's a chain smoker. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out. I'm actually not a chain smoker, but... Just for the record. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> Hashtag in healthcare. <laughs> I'm not a smoker. Okay. Okay. Well, to our story. Yes, please. In the Antacama Desert of Chile, miners are known to dig for copper, gold, and other minerals. Today, we're going to talk about an explosion in the San Jose mine. The main tunnel in the San Jose mine begins about a mile above sea level near the top of a round, rocky mountain. From the narrow entrance, the ramp corkscrews into the mountain through a series of gradually narrowing switchbacks. Men at the top drive vehicles such as dump trucks, front loaders, and pickup trucks and use the winding path to gather minerals while workers below mine the ore in smaller passageway. So the men at the bottom are mining everything and then loading it up in these trucks. Okay. Kind of a two-step process, which makes sense because it's such a deep mine. The deepest it goes is about 2,500 feet. Are there different... Sorry, I really have a rough voice right now. Are there different... um, Do the men at the bottom ever work at the top or do they have specialized jobs? Do you know? I don't know, but I would guess they kind of switch it up. I think it would probably be hard on your body if you were on the one doing the hard mining all day instead of just driving a pickup truck. Yeah, you might get resentful. That's not very fair. (laughs) But I don't know. Let's contact them. Write a letter. I I might. Starting it right now. Okay, good. Well, as long as you pay attention to my story. Okay, I'll try. On the morning of August 5th, 2010, men are situated in several different locations in the mine. Some are as deep as 2,500 feet collecting ore. At 2,400 feet, there are men fortifying a passageway that was not as strong as it could have been. And at 2,300 feet, there are men resting in a spot the crew calls the refuge, which is an area with a cinder block wall and heavy metal doors. The refuge is a room for emergencies. It has fresh air pumped in from the surface to help the room from getting too hot. And the room is more or less used as a break room for the men. They have lunch, they relax in the middle of the day. Anyway, this is one of those things where we're talking about this and it will become very important later. Foreshadowing. Hello. Around lunch, a man called Franklin Lobos is on his way to the refuge. And he's going to pick up a group of miners who need a ride to the top of the mine. He's accompanied by a friend on his drive, Jorge Galagios, who, at 2,000 feet below the surface, points out something in the mine. He asks, do you see that? A butterfly. Franklin insists it cannot be a butterfly. It's got to be a white rock. It's impossible that there's a butterfly so deep below the surface. But as they're contemplating this, there's a massive explosion above them in the passageway. And around them... 
and around the truck, there's dust. The ramp collapses above them. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my voice is so terrible. To it say. makes you sound more concerned. <sighs> there's a huge crash, and pressure waves pass violently through the tunnel. It is apparent the mine is collapsing. The shift manager, Luis Urzua, is near the refuge when the crash is heard. An assistant pulls up to where he is in a pickup and explains that the mine is collapsing. The two men get into this pickup and quickly make their way to the refuge to pick up anyone who is there on their lunch break. There's no one in the room. The group turns around to aid men who are deeper in the mine. Luis feels a responsibility to get everyone out. So that's why they went deeper instead of immediately trying to find a way out. The men who were deeper in the mine had felt a burst of pressure, but kind of just shrugged it off because they thought it was just routine blasting above. And they probably couldn't hear a whole lot down there. Yeah, they're so deep in the mine. Luis was able to pick up three men who had been working a couple of hundred feet below the refuge. On the drive back, it becomes very difficult to see, as so much dust clouds the passageways ahead. Men get out with flashlights to canvas the area ahead and guide the truck forward. As they progress, they come across two additional men who get into the truck. And then they run into another pickup truck, which is headed down in the mine. The truck of Franklin Lobos, our butterfly observer. <laughs> The men look blood-drained and fearful. Franklin and Jorge relay the story of the collapse above. Luis orders the group to head back towards the surface. As they drive, they run into more and more debris along the roadway. It's like they're getting closer to a scene of a battle. The debris begins to get too large for the trucks to maneuver around, and so the men have to get out and walk. They climb through rocks, scrambling up with headlamps and flashlights. But it quickly becomes apparent there's no way out. It seems kind of gutsy to be scrambling around up there because, you know, you don't know for sure that it's stable. If there's going to be further collapse. Yeah. But if you want to get out, what are you going to do? And they had a smaller guy scramble through the tightest areas and he tried to get out but what had covered the entrance was a smooth sheet of the mountain, as tall as 45 stories and with a weight of around 700,000 tons. Wow. As they're staring at the flat, smooth wall, Luis, once again the supervisor, thought it was like the stone they put over Jesus' tomb. And that's in retrospect. So we know that they survived. So I guess it's a good metaphor. <laughs> like being born again, like we've talked about <laughs> many a time. <laughs> Some of the older miners have been trapped in tight spots before, but never like this. When they had been trapped before, it had always been something a bulldozer could clear out in a matter of hours. They knew this was a big deal. At this point, the miners decide to split into groups. The first group decide to search through the matrix of tunnels for passageways up and out. In a mine, there should be shafts to allow 
flow of air, water, electricity, and they're supposed to be fitted with ladders to provide an escape route. However, the San Jose mine was trying to cut costs and avoided some key safety measures. Not all of these shafts had ladders. So these men, they're searching, and they do find a shaft with a ladder. They get up to the next level and find that it's blocked. They try to find the next shaft to take them up to the next level, but unfortunately this one has no ladder. There's no way out for them. It's pretty anxiety-provoking. Anxiety sure. Yeah, and once you go through all the options, you've exhausted your resources. And you know you're trapped. No way to communicate. Meanwhile, our second group is headed toward the refuge. This group notes quickly the connection to the surface has been severed. Remember I said that this room typically has a flow of air, there's electricity, etc. There's no electricity or intercom. In addition, there's no flow of water or compressed air. But they made it up to the room? Yeah, or down. Or down, down to, the, to room. the room? Yeah. The men come back together in the refuge. Luis, the shift manager, appears defeated. He cannot help but think of other men in different scenarios who have gotten buried alive in mines and eventually die of starvation. He also knew that after six or seven days, it was typical that if rescuers don't find you, they usually give up. That's terrifying. Luis tells the men that he is no longer the boss because they are stuck in the same situation and they should make decisions as a team which I think is a good leadership move. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of... Ernest Shackleton? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. He was a good leader, too. They make a list of provisions, what they have in the refuge. This includes cans of peaches, peas, and tuna. There are 24 liters of condensed milk and 93 packages of cookies. Because you can never have enough sugar. Yeah, you dip your sugar in your sugar. <laughs> I was just thinking it's weird that it's condensed milk and not something like evaporated milk because condensed milk is sweet and thick. It's perfect for coffee. Yeah, probably. That must be what they're using it for. They can't be drinking. We're probably just eating it, drinking it in this scenario, but seems random to me. <laughs> Didn't say anything about coffee. I'm just saying. Maybe I'll, in this list. I'll include that in my letter. Yeah. Excuse me, San Jose mine. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you stock all this sweetened condensed milk? Yeah. Do you dip your cookies in it? Luckily, there are several thousand liters of water in nearby tanks. This water is there to keep the engines in the mine cool, so it is slightly tainted with oil. But when you're in a survival scenario like this, do you care? I don't think you care. So back on the surface, on August 5th, the men who are on the surface of the mine hear explosions and see dust spewing from the entrance. The rescue team descends about 1,500 feet when they run into that same blockade, the large gray slab of rock. So that blockade was pretty far down in the mine. The team brings ropes and pulleys to descend some of the chutes, but they keep running into an obstruction. So I suppose that either way, 
even if some of these chutes had ladders in them, they wouldn't be able to get out. Wait, chutes and ladders? Do you think that's where the game came from? <laughs> Is mining? It might be. <laughs> we should look it up. Doesn't sound as fun if you're in a mine. No. Nope. Yeah, anyway. Mattel, you want to comment? So, <laughs> I don't know so who made the game. Calls go out to the local fire department, the National Geology and Mining Service, and the Disaster Office of Chile's Ministry of the Interior. The mining company puts off contacting the families of the men, but of course the word gets out anyway. It's a big deal. That makes sense. This mine, not putting ladders in the chutes and not contacting the families. Well, I mean, if your family member doesn't come home at the end of the workday, you might put two and two together. Yeah, totally. Below, the men huddle together in the refuge, which is getting nearly unbearable with heat and humidity. Their room smells of dirty, unwashed bodies. And they don't dare bathe in the water because they have no idea how long they'll be living underground. They spent their time together telling jokes and stories. One man leads the men in prayer. One man has a cell phone. And obviously there's no self-service, but they use the phone to record events. They also discuss if they die, their families may receive between eighty and $120,000. That's quite a bit of money. Especially in Chile. Do you know what the average salary there is? In this article that I read, it said it was a lot for Chile. <laughs> like years of pay. Looks like approximately $27,125 U.S. dollars. That's the average wage. Mm-hmm. For a year. Yep. Yeah, so that is years of pay. Thanks for looking it up, Seaster. Sure. By August 8th, they can hear a drill from above. One of the miners says, okay, so those drills can make 100 meters per day. So they do some quick math. This is about five to six days of drilling if nothing goes wrong. Above, the rescuers began drilling for the refuge. They drilled nine holes to the target, hoping that one would be a direct hit. And so they don't know exactly where they're drilling to. They're just hoping that they can make it with nine holes drilling in. And maybe that's just because this is switchbacks or like a corkscrew into the mine. That makes sense. What they're trying to do is get a borehole to the refuge So they're drilling, but it's not a huge hole to get a man out. It's just enough to get communication and maybe food and water to deliver supplies, essentially. By now, the story had gained the attention of the entire country of Chile. Shrines arise on the mountain that are built by the family members. As the days pass, Chileans become more and more skeptical that the men below could even be alive. There's no communication, and so they're like, are these efforts in vain? Are we just drilling towards dead men? Well, another, the other thing is that with the collapse of the mine, it could have completely filled up, so it could have yeah. crushed them. And they have no way of knowing. Yeah. The drilling grinds on and off, sometimes stopping for hours at a time. And the silence is anxiety-inducing, Because these men are wondering, when the drilling stops, have they given up on us? 
So the men decide that they need to find a way to send a message to the rescuers above. They're afraid the rescuers will eventually give up without any sign of life. What they do is collect some dynamite and walk up as high as they can. They wait for the drilling to stop and then light the fuse. The dynamite explodes, but the men are unsure that they are heard. They are, of course, 2,300 feet below. And it never said in these articles if anyone heard that, so I'm guessing no. But they were trying. Yeah. On August 16th, one of the men notes in his diary, Hardly anyone talks anymore. The skin now hugs the bones of our faces, and our ribs all show. And when we walk, our legs tremble. Their metabolisms were slowing down immensely. They had a difficult time even thinking straight. On the 16th day, the men start to write letters of farewell. They begin to think that at some point, they may fall asleep and never wake up. Some of them even need help to stand. They can't do actions simple like getting up and going to the bathroom by themselves. It's getting pretty dire down there. And it's been a lot of days. On August 22nd, one driller notices something odd. The guy above. The, the driller. <laughs> the steel tube is beginning to stutter. Suddenly, the dust coming out of the chimney stops, and the pressure gauge drops to zero. So it finally went past all the resistance, and it now is in an empty space. Below, the grinding stops and the sound of escaping air goes through the tunnels. Several miners run toward the noise, and they see a pipe protruding from the rock and a drill bit rising and lowering. A miner pounds on the pipe with a wrench to indicate that they are there and alive. All the way up, the drill operator can feel the pulse in the steel. The other drills stop. Hey, they're here! Chilean officials are notified. The drill team raises up the bit and removes the tubing around it. The miners below had written a message on it. We are well in the refuge. The 33. A.K.A. there are 33 men below the surface. Did they know how many people were down there? Or not, not really? I'm sure that they didn't know how many people were alive down there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was over 60 men in the mine that day. So a lot of them were high enough up where they could just run. Yeah. yeah. So into this borehole, they lower a camera and a mic. And soon the sound of cheering comes over the speakers. The second thing the rescuers do is lower a tube of water filled with glucose, which is very similar to our wild boars cave story. Yeah. So that all these little boys wanted real food. Like, where's the steak? <laughs> I don't, I hardly blame them. Yeah, so all these days without food, but they have to really pace themselves so they don't get sick. And some of these guys in the mine even drank the glucose too quick and their stomachs were cramping up. But later, more food is sent along with medicines and letters from their families. On August 30th, which is... 25 days past the accident. They've been in there a long time. The rescue team begins drilling a rescue hole. 
The plan is to excavate an area large enough to place a small capsule and bring the miners up one at a time. Think like a small elevator. Okay. A single man elevator. Because of the danger of more collapse and the group's size, they knew that the rescue could take months. And so they worked until October 12th. That's 69 days after the men were buried. Oh my goodness. How long did it take to elevate the capsule? Do you know? Uh, I'll tell you. Okay. The first man gets in the capsule and it takes them 30 minutes to get to the surface. That's not too bad. Yeah. It's still a long time. Yeah. And in each capsule, there is a oxygen tank. So it must just be the pressurization. Mm-hmm. So it takes to the end of the next day, all 33 men are brought to the surface. I guess if you do the math, 30 minutes for each man, that is a long time. And they probably didn't go directly all the way through. Maybe they took yeah. breaks in there. And, and they have to put the capsule back down too, I suppose. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be the last dude. I always think of that. <laughs> Please. Fingers crossed. Get me yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alive. The cool thing is all but two of the men went home within 48 hours of their rescue. So there was no injury. It's amazing. By October 19th, all had, the other two had left the hospital. So previous geological instability at the old mine was noted. There was a long record of safety violation for the mine owners, San Esteban Mining Company, and it had resulted in a series of fines and accidents, including eight deaths during the dozen years leading up to this accident. Wow. So there were three years of work, lawsuits, and investigations into this collapse, but no charges were filed. Oh. So kind of a bummer. And a lot of these guys worked in the San Jose mine because it paid 20% better than other mines in Chile from my research. Maybe it was danger related. Exactly. I I can't confirm or deny just because some of these sources. (laughs) They had to sign an agreement that said, I realize that this has 50% greater risk of death in this mine. (laughs) There's almost one per year. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the story. So is the mine still operating? Do you know? So I guess it's owned by the San Esteban Mining Company, so they're still around, but the San Jose mine... Is a goner. Yeah, it was closed in 2010, so the year of this accident. I can't imagine how you would recover from that, because think of all the material you'd have to pull out of it to be able to use it again. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, if you love us... Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Contact us on social media. Leave us a nice message. Tell us who you want to hear about. Share with a friend. Thanks. (laughs) And stay alive until next week. Stay alive. Bye. Bye.